this week, my vehicle needed an oil change. And I know, I know, I know, the manly thing to do would be to do that myself. But I didn't. I, uh, I took it somewhere. And here's what, because in the state of Texas, you also need every year, all right, your state safety inspection, and I needed that on my vehicle, and so I took it into a shop. And now I'm not going to give you the name of the shop because I don't want to completely taint their reputation for you. You can have your own experiences there. But I will share with you that they make some pretty big promises. You know, they tell you you can just... You just sit in your car and wait. They'll take care of everything for you. I even saw a sign there that said, world's fastest oil change. And I was banking on some of those promises. But those promises were broken. On Wednesday, September 1st, 2021, to me. Because I did stay in my car for over an hour as I was parked in by a car in front of me and a car behind me. And then finally got my oil change and my state inspection and it was not the world's fastest oil change. And now they had reasons. One of their state inspection machines was down, and they were really busy at the time, and I understand all of that. And, and even the manager of the shop, you know, he, he gave $5 off my total invoice at the end, which, you know, I appreciated that. But, but still, my confidence in their corporate promises was shaken. And now sometimes in life, we... We just know that some promises are going to be broken. Sometimes that's our expectation. Like, we don't even hold politicians accountable, right, if they don't follow through on their promises. Like, we just know that that's going to happen. They're going to make promises, and and those promises will not be kept. But what I want to ask you today is, what is your expectation? What is your reaction to the promises that God makes? What is the state of your confidence in God's promises? Is it firm? Is it rock solid? Or is it shaken? Because God makes some pretty big promises. In his word to us, he he gives us some incredible promises, and he gives them to us so that we can be confident So that we will not be shaken. We heard that this morning in Psalm 46, that in the midst of chaos and turmoil, if the world is is spiraling out of control around us, that God wants us to be firm, to be certain in Him and His promises. We heard, be still and know that I am God. To be still and know that God, your Heavenly Father, will follow through on his promises. That he will deliver on those promises that he has made to you. And so sometimes there's kind of this this quietness and this seriousness to our faith to God and his word where we we are asked by our God to just be still, to sit in that quietness and that seriousness. 
and trust in our God so that it can add to our joy and our exuberance so that we can be ignited with even more energy to praise his name because of his promises. And so as we get to the end of the creed, there is one final word, amen. Amen is not a throwaway word. It's not just a linguistic marker to tell us that we are done speaking at that point. And when we say amen, we say, so let it be. It shall be so. We say, I believe. You know, amen, at the end of our prayers, when we finish our prayers, we say amen. That's, that's not just so God knows that he can stop listening. That's saying, Lord, I know that you've heard me. I know that you will act according to what you've heard and according to your good and gracious will. I believe, I trust that you have heard. Amen is really a monstrous word. Because at the end of the creed, amen is our assent, our affirmation of all of the incredible promises, those biblical promises that the creed has reiterated to us and expressed. It's our affirmation of every truth from God's word contained in the creed. And so right now I want you to, to think back. Think back over this entire series as we've talked through the creed. Think on those words. And think about all the promises that are there from God. And there are many, many promises throughout the creed, those promises that God gives to us. And I want to highlight for you again three of those promises. First of all, number one, nothing is impossible for God. As our almighty creator, nothing is outside of his reach. There is nothing that he cannot do. He operates above and beyond. He supersedes the, the natural laws of this world that he himself put into place and set in order. Nothing is impossible for God. And number two, you have forgiveness. Full, free, incredible forgiveness is yours. And there is no sin, no mistake that you have made that is too much for the cross of Christ. There is no place, no deed where you have buried yourself too much or you, you have sent yourself too far outside of the reach and, uh, of God. There's no place where he can't pull you back into his arms and rescue and ransom you, you have the forgiveness of sins. And the third one that I want to remind you of today is that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He will return. He will come back and He is going to make all the sad things untrue. 
He will come back in power and glory to judge the living and the dead, and he will bring his people to be with him forever. Now, you think about just those three promises that I have highlighted, and those are enormous promises. They are huge, huge promises from our God. And I think sometimes as believers, as Christians, we, we hear those enormous promises from God and, and we're okay, we're, we're good with that overarching concept. But we struggle a little bit to think about how those, those promises that God has made so broadly, so big, how those promises also are true for me individually. You know, we're, we're okay to say, yeah, it, it is so awesome that God so loved the world. He has, he has forgiven the world, but, but I just don't know if he's forgiven me. Because there's that one act, that one misdeed, that, that horrible mistake with, with horrific consequences, and, and we just can't let it go. We let it hang out in our closet, and, and we really, we won't, allow God to forgive it. We won't accept God's forgiveness because we think, no, no, that one is too much. That one, it went too far. God couldn't forgive that. Or maybe, maybe we enjoy all those stories, you know, the stories of how God rescued and, and delivered his Old Testament people, even miraculously delivering them. I mean, they walked across rivers on dry ground. He parted seas for them. Amazing, miraculous deliverance. And we love hearing about Jesus and his own miracles, right? The demons cast out, the lame legs that were made strong again, the blind eyes that were opened. We hear these incredible miracles but we just don't think that God could really act in a powerful way to help us in our troubles and our struggles. And I know that even for you, you who come to worship, you who, who join us online or, or you listen to the podcast or, or you, you watch a sermon on YouTube and, and you who, who pray and, and you give of your time to serve in the church, oh, even for you, there are sometimes struggles in your own heart, in your own mind. Struggles to accept and believe those incredible promises that God has given and maybe it's because of a really, really difficult home life that you had and, and you kind of blame God for putting you in that situation. Or, or maybe it's because of those relationships in your life that have just gone, gone sour, they, they've gone really, really bad, and you don't understand why when you were praying that God didn't intervene, He didn't step in to, to fix it. Or maybe you've had financial things build up and the pile got bigger and bigger and bigger and maybe you just want to see more of God's 
financial blessings and you just haven't and so it makes it hard to believe his promises those things can become hurdles and obstacles in our own mind and in our own hearts and it sometimes is hard for us to clear them on our own to fully trust in what God has said to us each and every one of us personally and individually But God wants you to have confidence in his promises. God wants you to know that those promises are true for you. He is not wishy-washy. He doesn't go back and forth. He doesn't say one thing and then the next day change his mind and say something else. He doesn't change his story after new facts come to light or, or new statistics are brought up. No, God is certain. He doesn't say yes and no in the same sentence. And that's what Paul, this first century leader in the church, a missionary, that's what he highlighted as he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. And so I want you to look again at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That's remarkable. No matter how many promises God has made, if he's made one or he's made 200 million, they are all yes in Christ. Every single one of them you can take to the bank. They are confirmed. They are kept. And and that includes all the promises that God has made broadly and also those promises that he's made specifically to you. They are yes in Christ. And that framework is really important. You see, Jesus Christ is the one who kept the greatest, most outlandish promise that God had ever given because God promised to send a Savior. God promised to send someone who would rescue us out of the grip, the hold that death and sin had on millions and billions of people for centuries. And Jesus came. He he walked in our shoes. He faced the same struggles that you face. He battled the same temptations that you battle. He overcame. He won the victory. He defeated Satan's sin and death and hell on that cross where he died. And then he rose again. His tomb is empty. He rose in glory and strength. And so he is the rock upon which you stand. And so when you struggle to believe God's promises, when you struggle to think that they could actually be true for you individually, ask yourself where your focus is. Where are you looking? Are you looking at yourself? Or are you looking at Christ? Are you looking at the cross? Are you looking at that empty tomb? Because that's where you see that the answer is yes, without a doubt. See, if I wonder, does God hear my prayers? 
if I'm looking at myself, then I don't know. Because I don't know if I'm worthy enough for God to hear my prayers. I don't know if I'm praying the right things. I, I, I don't know if God should answer my prayers if I'm looking at myself. But if I look at Christ, if I look to Jesus, then the answer is yes. Yes, God hears your prayers. Does God love me with this never quitting, never giving up, never failing, never ending, never stopping love? When I look to myself, I don't know. But if I look and I see Christ Jesus willingly spilling forth his blood on the cross for me, then yes, I know that God loves me with this never failing, never quitting, never giving up love. And if I wonder if God's really going to raise me up on wings as if on eagles, if, if he's going to really help me in my troubles and my tribulations, I don't look at myself, no, I look at that empty tomb. I look and I see how God raised up Jesus from the very clutches of death itself. And I know that he will act in my own life as well. Yes, that empty tomb cries, yes. All of God's promises are yes in Christ. I will always be with you. Yes, in Christ. He who believes in me will not die, but live. Yes, in Christ. I have a plan for you in your life. Even if it seems difficult to see right now, I have a plan. Yes, in Christ. I hear your prayers. I care for your children. I love them deeply. Yes, in Christ. I send my angels to protect you. Yes, in Christ. I work all things for your good. Yes, in Christ. You see, our confidence in the promises of God, it always comes from outside of us, not inside. And Paul continued to emphasize that as he goes on into verse 21. He says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We stand firm in Christ. God strengthens us in Christ. And God has set his seal of ownership on us. He has written his name on our hearts and our lives. Just as I was talking with the children this morning, you know, when you, when you get that book that you've always wanted, you're so excited to have it, you write your name in that book and that front cover and you use pen, you don't use pencil. You make it permanent. If it's your baseball mitt, you take that Sharpie marker and you write your name so your teammates won't accidentally grab that after the game. Or maybe it's the casserole dish that you brought for the church potluck and you made sure your name was on the bottom of that because you wanted that back afterwards, right? It's a sign of ownership, but more than that, it's a sign of value. 
It's a sign that you, you care. That that is yours. It belongs to you and you will care for it. God has placed his name on you. And God has sent the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And so when you see the Holy Spirit at work in your life, that is a sign to you of the great communion that you will have with God, your Heavenly Father, for all eternity. Your desire to grow in the knowledge that you have of God, that is born of the Holy Spirit. Your, your desire to live a life that is filled with more grace, more compassion, that is more upright and moral and righteous, that is planted in you by the Holy Spirit. Your desire to sacrifice and serve in the church is instilled in you by the Holy Spirit. Your passion to see people as souls who are dearly loved by their God, whom He wants to redeem and draw into His family, that passion is ignited by the Holy Spirit. And those are all signs to you, guaranteeing what is to come. And so as Christ, as God's seal of ownership, and as the Holy Spirit's work, as they are all present among us, they give you the confidence to shout amen. This monstrous word of affirmation, confirmation of everything that God has said to us and the truths that the creed expresses. And so Paul once again tells us that it's in Christ that we declare our assent to God's promises he says, and so through him, through Christ, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. We know what God has said and deep, deep down in our hearts, we believe it to be true. The creed really finishes the very same way that it, en it ends, the very same way that it began. Amen is our way of saying, I believe. No matter what the world says to the contrary, no matter what our present circumstances. And we speak our amen to the glory of God the Father. We glorify our Father through amen. So dear friends in Christ, confidently confess your amen to the clarity that the creed gives. Speak your amen to the symmetry that's brought to our lives of faith. Join together in that amen with the community of believers that we have brought, been brought together with. Speak with confidence and use that amen in your counsel to one another to encourage each other in the faith. And shout out that amen as a witness to our world that the promises of our God are true in Christ Jesus. When God promises us something, we trust, we believe, and all God's people say, Amen. May the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.